0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. This radio ministry is sponsored by Church Partnership Evangelism and its local missions fellowship in Boise, Idaho, the Bread of Life Church. On a daily basis, we're working with pastors in Asia, Africa, and South America, equipping them and directing them into the engagement of the gospel with lost people. God is blessing, and the church in these places is growing. You can learn more about how God is using us by going to traincpe.org or Boise.org. A question is asked in Romans 6, verse 1, that if we're saved by grace, then we might decide to live in sin so that grace may abound to us. Why not go on sinning that grace may abound? Romans 6, 2 gives the response of the born-again individual to such a question. God forbid it. How can we, who have died to sin, continue living in it any longer? God forbid it. That's how the... Old King James translators, translators. It's actually not how it's stated in the Greek, but that's the force they saw in it. God forbid it. Certainly not. May it never be. I exclude from my mind and my thinking any calculation like this. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And this rhetorical response is the response of a person who's in the gospel looking out to the temptations and the challenges of life. This is the response of a regenerate man or woman and the question reveals the new standing that they have in Christ. Let's look at three observations. The first one is this. The regenerate person knows the great awfulness of sin. The regenerate person knows the great awfulness of sin. They know it is nothing to toy with. There are those, you might say, who make those calculations we talked about and have put that free pass in their back pocket And made these wagers, and as I've warned you, if you continue to make that wager, you're demonstrating that maybe you're not in that born-again state because the born-again person came into this new life by discovering, first of all, the awfulness of their sin. What God did was, God first showed them how sinful they were and how incapable they were of saving themselves. And God drove them that moment, in a moment of repentance, to the saving faith that was placed upon Christ alone. When a person comes to saving faith, what they first come to is an awakening by God's spirit to the awfulness of their sin. You'll remember on the day of Pentecost when Peter is preaching to the crowd and he's declaring that Jesus Christ is the one who was the Messiah who came and that they had crucified their Savior, their Messiah. It says they were cut to their heart and they cried out, Men and brother, what must we do? They're immediately brought into this great conviction of sin. The Lord Jesus tells the parable of two men who went up to the temple to pray and one was a Pharisee and he's saying God I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector over here because I tithe and he's accounting to God all the moral transactions he's made with God in order to somehow have right standing before God and then Jesus said the publican or the tax collector stood afar off couldn't even lift his head up but just cried out God be merciful to me in the Greek the sinner it's just me and my sin He said, I tell you the truth, that man went away justified before God. It was his repentance and his recognition of his sin and that he had nothing himself and his crying out for the mercy and grace that God alone could give him. The Christian knows that grace alone saves us, through faith alone and Christ alone, but we also know that it was our sin alone that was condemning us and driving us to a miserable end. We met sin and we recognized too that it wasn't just a stain on our resume. It wasn't like, some things that were a little embarrassing to us. We began to see sin when God brought us to himself as what Paul describes it to be in Romans 5.12. There he says, through Adam, through one man, sin entered into the world. And the idea there is that sin invaded. It was like an invader, like an enemy. It was like this evil thing that came into the world with power and malevolent force. That's what you begin to see. It's like this alien power that's taken hold of my life and intertwined in my very being and is destroying me and corrupting me. And Paul will reveal the kind of prayer you pray when you come into repentance. Who will deliver me from this body of death? That's what's happened. The born-again person has experienced by faith being set free from sin's destruction and sin's death and sin's condemnation. And they want to steer clear from it now, all together. Here's the second thing. The regenerate person is not content to be saved but to still be sinning. He is not content to be saved but to still be sinning. The question of verse one seems to suggest that there's some contentment to go on sinning as long as you're somewhat of a good person. Paul says, God forbid it, may it never be, certainly not. And I want you to look at that verse first. Look at the second verse. Paul says, how shall we? See that we? He's looking at his life and he's looking at some radical transformation that's taken place in his life. And now his whole being, his whole attitude is that he's totally opposed to any compromise. He doesn't approach temptation or sin in any casual manner whatsoever. There's no mindset in him to accommodate it in any way. He's completely against it. And he also sees this sin as not something that he can handle well you know I can kind of get near to it and I can toy with it I can deal with it myself and I can learn to overcome it myself he says how shall we who have died to sin look this is not something that I came upon and I found a way to navigate around it and I found the formula so that I can live a moral life the only way that I was able to conquer this thing is I had to die God had to since put me to death and the man that was so bound up in the sin that he killed that man so that a new man might rise up and now Now that I'm free from him, why would I want to go anywhere near it or continue in it? So he says, how can I go on living in sin? Now, there's a suggestion that the Christian does sin. And he does encounter the engagement of sin and he falls at times. But he will not consent that he will live in it. He will abide in it. He will continue in it. He is not content to be saved, but to still go on sinning. The truly born-again Christian, the regenerate man or woman, has received Christ and in finding Him has discovered not only escape from sin's condemnation, but has in Christ discovered the means of escape from sin's power. And that is what they want above everything else. They're not content to be saved and to go on sinning. And here's the last thing. The regenerate person doesn't just have a changed attitude towards sin. And by the way, we're not going to be able to talk about this completely today. This is just a little... Introduction into the message next week. The regenerate person doesn't just have a changed attitude towards sin. They have a changed relationship with it. They don't have just a changed attitude towards sin. They have a changed relationship with it. The regenerate person has died to sin. He has died to it. Paul is not resting in his overcoming sin because he has a changed attitude towards sin. It's not that he's saying, how can we go on sinning who know how terrible sin is? who have been enlightened on the reality of what sin is. That's not what he's saying. He's not appealing to his knowledge or his enlightenment. He says, no, how can we go on doing this? Because our relationship to sin has completely changed. You know what's changed? We've died to it. Sin is like a matrimonial partner that we were wed to at one time. And sin didn't die, but we did. And we no longer have a relationship with sin anymore. When you are born again, when you receive Christ by faith in your Savior, you are given new life. You are born again. At that moment, you, in a sense, are granted a birth certificate. New life is begun. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Right? The Bible says. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. But at the same time that you give your life by faith in Christ, and you, in a sense, get this birth certificate, this new man you are, you also get a death certificate. The old man that was so entwined with sin that you didn't know where you ended and sin began, that man dies. So it actually says if anyone is in Christ, old things have passed away. Everything has become new. The old has died and the new has come. Paul saying we're not going to continue in this because we have a new relationship with sin. We're not beholden to it. We're not in the consort with it. We're not wed to it. We have an idea that it doesn't belong to us. We don't cohabitate with it because it's no longer ours. That one who was bound to sin and and cohabitating with sin and intertwined in a relationship with sin that they were wed to by their own brokenness and sin, that one died. A new man lives here and a new spirit has been given to me and I've been made new in Jesus Christ. So, Paul says, how shall we? How shall we? How shall we go on living with that? You hear that? Now, we're going to have to go and look at this over some time because that verse 2 is actually the theme and gives us a theme for all of chapter 6. It's something that we need to explore more fully. What does this death to sin mean? When did it happen? It happened, I'll tell you this. It happened on the day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ and put your faith in Him. At that moment in time, just as clearly as you were born anew through Jesus Christ, you died to the old man. You died to the old man. But we need to explore that. and understand that better. But this is the argument that Paul is making. Let's make an application here real quickly. You're not being arrogant if having believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior and knowing that He's granted you new life through Him. You're not being arrogant to think that sin is beneath you. You're not being arrogant to think that you are, in a sense, better than certain behaviors. Right? You're a new creation in Christ. The old man who made those compromises and once bartered for a few coins of good deeds for a bite of the apple here and every once in a while, that no man no longer is the person you are. That man or that woman died when you came to Christ and you are now a new person in Jesus Christ created as Ephesians 2.10 says, for good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. You're standing in Christ. Put those things, sin, beneath your feet. Remember that and keep it there. Keep the temptation and the sin and the suggestions and the insinuation of the enemy beneath your feet. He's going to come and say, "Ah, you're just the same person you've always been. Here's the way we've always done things in the past, and let's continue to move along those ways. And, and here's how you made up in the past. You just gave into it, and then you tried to be good for a little while. Let's get back on that equation of life. He's lying to you. Don't believe him. Put it beneath your feet. You are above these things. You are in Christ. When we were raising our children, we had this little phrase we said every once in a while. Maybe you say it in your house. Van Hoogens don't do that. Oh, yeah, your friend, you know, because they're always like, you know, my friend does this, and our friends are like, yeah, yeah, well, they might do that, and their parents would. but that's not what Van Huggins do. You're a child of God. If you believe in Him, He's given you new life, and He's put to death the old man that you were, and given you a new spirit, a spirit formed and shaped out of the very life of Jesus Christ, with Christ abiding in you, in complete communion with the Spirit who dwells within you, and these things are beneath you. Children of God, do not trifle with sin. Children of God say things like, Get thee behind me, Satan. Children of God say things like, God forbid it. May it never be. That's what we do. We confront and we deal with the temptations of life with a sense that we're above it in Jesus Christ. That's not arrogant. The question that we asked at the very beginning, which of those two questions are you asking yourself? Are you saying, well... If everything is free, why don't I just continue going on sinning? Why don't I run the barter? Why don't I just be a little bit bad today and I'll pray a little bit tomorrow? It's one question. Or is the question that you're asking, God forbid it. How could I? How could I, who have died to sin, live any longer pursuing it? Important question to ask. The answer will reveal what God has done in your life. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise You and thank You that by faith we look to our Savior, we believe in Him, we trust in Him as the one who bore our sins. And in that moment, this this great legal transaction takes place. Thanks for joining us today. Before we sign off, I want to remind you of a ministry website that we've developed called testyourtestimony.com. Our concern is that there are many in our churches that do not have a true born-again relationship with the Lord Jesus and so faced the prospect of his rejection and judgment on the last day. Our pity for these has made us develop a site where a person can apply the command of Second Corinthians 13.5 to test themselves and see whether they are in the faith. Please go to that site and prayerfully consider someone else that you can share it with. For now, we look forward to being with you again at the Bread of Life. Till then, may God bless you.